Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Welcome to a very special podcast dedicated to the memory of the fallen soldiers of both the United States of America and Canada. Normally on our podcast we get silly and with totally useless information, but today we put that stuff aside and we get totally serious as we pay tribute to those who sacrificed their lives to ensure our freedom. On the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, we take time out to recognize the sacrifice made by our brave veterans. We pay homage to a special group of people, a group that puts country above self, a group that believes that their country, their family, and their flag are so important that they're willing to sacrifice themselves. This group shares a special courage and calling that make it possible for us to wake up every day and enjoy the amazing comforts of a free land. They're more than a symbol of freedom. They're our brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, sons and daughters. They have earned our respect and admiration, and no matter what branch they have served, their dedication is a testament to being the best a person can be. They truly are the few and the proud. They are our heroes. They are our glorious veterans. At this time, let's honor our two countries by playing the national anthems. First up, the Star Spangled Banner as performed by the U.S. Marine Band. You know, every time I hear the Star Spangled Banner, it sends chills down my spine, especially at like important sporting events and things like that. But uh, today's show is is about the veterans, and that's when the Star Spangled Banner really means something to me. It's funny because we actually flipped a coin to find out what anthem would go first, O Canada or the um, Star Spangled Banner. And um, I won. So the Star Spangled Banner went first, and, and O Canada will come second. Sorry, guys. Was it a Canadian coin, or was it a U.S. quarter? It was a U.S. quarter. I'm going to say some interesting things about the Star Spangled Banner. It was written in 1814. It was not written as a song. It was written as a poem called The Defense of Fort McHenry. And it was written by Francis Scott Key. He was a writer at the time. And he was actually on board a British ship when he wrote 
the defense of Fort McKinley, which would become the Star Spangled Banner. The reason he was on the ship was he was involved in a process. They were trying to get back a prisoner of war in a swap, and he was negotiating that. And he got everything done, and he got this doctor back in the prisoner swap, and the British said, you know, you can't go back right now because we're about to bombard Fort McHenry in the Chesapeake Bay, and we can't bring you over there because you might get killed. So stick around until after the battle. I guess they had uh, rules of engagement then that they followed pretty well. And so he was on board the ship, and the, the shelling begins, and Fort McHenry is under fire. And it goes well into the night. And he's standing there with another person that was involved in the prisoner swap. And he's saying, my God, look at this. I mean, the rocket's firing over and, you know, and they don't know whether Fort McHenry has fallen. They're not sure until the morning when the sun comes up and they see the flag. And it so inspired him to see the flag that he wrote the poem, The Defense of Fort McKinley. It would become... Not the national anthem. In 1889, it would become matched up to a song and be used by the U.S. Navy as one of their songs. And then Woodrow Wilson said, wow, I really like that. And uh, in 1916, he said we should make this the national anthem. It doesn't happen until March 3rd, 1931, when Herbert Hoover signs it in as the actual national anthem of the United States. The flag that inspired the song was made by a woman, Mary Young Pickergill. Mary Young Pickergill was a seamstress, and she was given the task to make the flag for the fort. It was to be 30 feet by 42 feet, rather large flag. The cost of the flag was $405.90, staggering number for that time. That was a lot of money. Flags really meant something, so... Uh, you know, they, they, they spent $405 on that flag. It was 30 feet again by 42, so very visible from the ship. The anthem was written while aboard the ship, and Francis Scott Key never had any idea that he was writing the national anthem for the country that he loved so much, but it's such a fitting song, and it really, it really does make me feel great to be an American. Funny enough, playing at sport events, the national anthem was not played at sport events originally on. It was it was a national anthem. But during a 1918 Chicago Cubs game that was very boring, during the seventh inning, the announcer decided, we got to do something to rile up the crowd. So they played the national anthem. It caught on. And from that point on, they played the national anthem before every game, which I love. By the way, that was in 1918, as you said, during the 1918 World Series at Wrigley Field. The Red Sox were playing the Cubs. They were leading one nothing in the middle of the seventh inning. And that's when the military band unexpectedly broke into the rousing numbers. So the Cubs were losing. It's just amazing how these things happen through history. You know? They are. And now, without further ado, O Canada... Here is the band of the Royal Regiment of Canada playing your national anthem, O Canada. Canada. 
Yeah, I get that same feeling too. Every time I hear the Canadian national anthem, it truly is an inspiring number. It also has some great history, but did you know that Canada has not one but two anthems? And I will explain. O Canada is the anthem you hear most familiar, as you just heard now, but you'll hear it at sporting events. How did O Canada become the national anthem? Well, this gentleman known as Canada's national musician, Calixa Lavalier, was asked to compose the music for a poem, another poet, written by Adolf Basile Rothier. Lavalier was a French-Canadian-American musician, so he's French and Canadian and American, so he had three countries to deal with, and a Union Army band musician during the American Civil War. The song was to be performed in honor of the National Congress of the French-Canadian on June 24, 1880. Government officials had first thought of holding a competition for a national hymn, but by January, the committee in charge decided there wasn't enough time, so the lieutenant governor of Quebec commissioned the judge to write a hymn and have Lavalier to compose the music. He made several drafts before the song we know today was greeted with enthusiasm by his musical friends. He was sharing it back then, way before social media. It is said that in his excitement, Lavalier rushed to show his music to the, the lieutenant governor without even stopping to sign the manuscript. O Canada became the national anthem of Canada on July 1st, 1980, on Canada Day, where God Save the Queen, there's that second anthem, God Save the Queen remains the royal anthem of Canada. But a slight alteration to the English lyrics was made in 2018, changing the lyric, In all thy sons command, to in all of us command, to be all-inclusive. But the original French lyrics and music, however, have remained unchanged since 1980. Wow, 1980. Yeah. That's not that long ago. It's not. We are a very young nation. Yes, we were, we were in high school. Yes. We were finishing high school. You're listening to the November 11th special podcast with Nick and Roy. I wanted to talk about heroes. And, I mean, there are a whole bunch of heroes you can name, you know, Patton, and you can name generals. And there's Alvin York. He was considered World War I's greatest hero. Sergeant York. They made movies about him. I wanted to talk about somebody that is a hero that most people have never heard his name. And his name was Henry Johnson. He was one of the famed members of the African-American Harlem Fighters. His heroic act earned him the Croix de Gruyere, which is France's highest military honor. He was over in Europe fighting in France in World War I. And he eventually gets a Purple Heart in the United States, but it's not until 2003 that he is awarded the Purple Heart. His battalion of men, the Harlem Fighters, were pinned down by the Germans, and they were all getting killed. And he was one of the only ones left, and most of his troops were either dead or wounded, and he wanted to help save them. So he fights on. He uses his weapon to shoot the enemy. When the gun jams, he uses the weapon as a club until the gun breaks into pieces. Then he pulls out a knife and uses the knife on the enemy until they eventually fall back because they said, this guy is just unbelievable. That, to me, is the ultimate bravery. The fact that he saved some of his brothers in arms that day, 
and just the sheer will to want to help others and be there and the cause. Henry Johnson was an amazing guy, and uh, he should be looked at and revered for his unbelievable bravery. So the last post is often played here in Canada, and at the time when soldiers didn't have wristwatches, they had to be regulated to camp. So they had to have a trumpet call or a bugle call to tell them when to get up, when to have their meals, when to fetch the post, when to get on parade, when to go to bed, and all other things throughout the day. Well, the soldiers, they started with their collared reveille and came to a close with the first post. This indicated that the duty officer was commencing his inspection of the sentry posts on the parameter of the camp. The inspection would take about 30 minutes, and at the end, they sounded the last post, the name referring simply to the fact that the final sentry post had been inspected. For decades, this was the sole use of the call, a signal that the camp was now secure for the night and closed till morning. It wasn't until the 1850s that another role began to emerge. It was an era when many military bandsmen and most bandmasters were civilians and they were under no obligation to accompany their regiments on overseas postings. So when a soldier died in a foreign land, they often had no music available to accompany him on his final journey. And necessity, being the mother of invention, a new custom arose of charging the regiment bugler to sound the last post over the grave. The tune of taps that they play is a variation of an earlier bugle call known as the Scott Tattoo, which was used in the United States from 1835 to 1860. And it was arranged in its present form by Union Army Brigadier General Daniel Butterfield. And he was an American Civil War general. In July 1862, it was played for the first time at Harrison's Landing in Virginia, and within nine months, it was adopted by both the Union and the Confederate forces. In 1891, TAPS became a standard component of U.S. military funerals. You're listening to the November 11th special podcast with Nick and Roy. The U.S. Army is actually older than the United States itself. All right. And yeah, when I, when I saw that, I was like, I'm intrigued. You got me. At the outset of the Revolutionary War against the British, colonial rebels had no access to a standing army. Up until that point, individual colonies had protected the, their interests uh, through like militias, which were little more than a bunch of haphazard men with pitchforks and guns and, you know, just banding together for a town, you know. So on April 23rd, 1775, in order to prepare for a full-blown military engagement with the British, the Massachusetts Provincial Congress called for an organized colonial army of 26 regiments. It was the first formalized um, authorization of a continental army. Later, this authorization would be further ratified by the Second Continental Congress on June 14, 1775, which is actually the date that is celebrated 
as U.S. armed forces till this day. So, they're older than the country itself. Music. The music of our veterans. And um, we can't talk about the music of armies and the music of the nations without talking about John Philip Sousa. John Philip Sousa was an American composer who's known as the greatest writer of military marches and songs. Some of his amazing works are the Stars and Stripes Forever and the March of the Marine Corps. He led the Naval Reserve Band in World War I, and after World War I, he then leads the John Sousa Band for the rest of his life. He would tour the country and go overseas and play his marches for people. You really should go on to the internet and do a Wikipedia search on John Philip Sousa to realize how many marches this man wrote. You know, he really did in his time. He was 77 when he died in 1932. And although he's known for writing all those great marches, he also wrote operettas. His life and music continue on today, not just in music, but in the Philip Sousa Scholarship, which is across the country giving scholarships out for the arts, for young people, so, I mean, we really do have to give it up to John Philip Sousa, great American composer, but also the Sousa Foundation, which does a hell of a lot for kids today, and uh, just a great story. It is, and uh, anybody who's uh, witnessed any parade and the marching bands, what music are they playing? The music of John Philip Sousa. While you're on the YouTube channel, by the way, on the Nick and Roy YouTube channel, while you're there, you might as well... Type in John Philip Sousa and you'll hear exactly what we're talking about. The Army. That's pretty <laughs> interesting. We've often heard when the flag is at half-staff or half-mast, a lot of people interchange the two, but they are very, very different. And here's how. When a flag is flown half-staff, it signifies a mournful salute, often for fallen soldiers, police officers, or other service members. It refers to a flag flown below the top of the flagpole usually about halfway to the top, half-staff. Half-mast refers to flags on ships or naval bases. These are the only places where flags are flown on something called a mast. A mast is a tall beam on many ships in which a sail or other navigational equipment may be secured. Since masts are only found on ships and naval bases, it makes sense that the term half-mast would only be used in these instances. So, Half-mast out at sea, half-staff on land. Cool. I did not know that. America has a fairly long and consistent tradition of electing veterans to the highest office in the land. Of the 45 men to be elected as president of the United States, 32 of them have served in the military in some capacity. 15 presidents served in the Army or the Army Reserves, Nine of them served in state militias, six served in the Navy or Naval Reserve, and two served in the original Continental Army. You know, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty interesting fact. You're listening to the November 11th special podcast with Nick and Roy. In Flanders Fields is a very popular poem up here, especially on Remembrance Day. It is, uh, we call it Remembrance Day up here in Canada. You call it Veterans Day on November 11th, but uh, the result is still the same. We honor 
all of those who have given their lives for our freedoms. The poppy traces its origin as an international symbol of fallen soldiers to the battlefields of Western Europe, where poppies grew wild during the First World War. When the fighting ended, poppies sprang up over the graves of the dead. It was Canadian battlefield surgeon Lieutenant Colonel John McRae who immortalized the poppy as a memorial to the fallen in his poem, In Flanders Fields. On May 2, 1915, McRae's friend, Lieutenant Alexis Helmer, was killed in action and buried in a makeshift grave. Wild poppies were already beginning to bloom between the crosses marking the many graves, and he was inspired to write In Flanders Fields the next day. And so here is In Flanders Fields, the beautiful poem that's recited every November 11th. In Flanders Fields, the poppies blow Between the crosses, row on row that mark our place And in the sky, the larks Still bravely singing, fly Scarce heard amid the guns below we are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved. And now we lie in Flanders fields, take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands, we throw the torch be yours to hold it high if ye break faith with us who die we shall not sleep though poppies grow in flanders fields that that was beautiful it's a beautiful poem yes and you can understand why they recited every November 11th, because it truly, truly does say a lot about uh, how we feel about our veterans. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you something a little bit lighter. The military, actually, if you look at the military outfits, they have Velcro on them now. Instead of sewing the patches on, they have a Velcro, and they've invented a silent version of Velcro, which they put the patches on with, and uh, when you, if you rip it off, it makes 95% less noise than, than uh, regular Velcro. However, all good things are not always so great. They're replacing the Velcro now again with buttons because uh, the buttons are as silent and are not affected by the mud. So they found out, I guess, that the, <laughs> the patches were falling off. And then you don't know who the hell's... What, what you know what the person's name is <laughs> interesting stuff another thing that happened that's uh, really amazing and this happened organically when soldiers who were killed in afghanistan most recent uh, wars they came back to canada for the last time their remains were sent to the coroner's office in downtown toronto there is a 172 kilometer or 107 mile drive along the stretch of road that's commonly referred to as highway 401 that leads to the coroner's office. Along the route, in a powerful tribute and display of gratitude, residents, police officers, and firefighters gathered along the overpasses on the route to salute and wave flags for the fallen soldiers as the motorcade went by. In 2007, that stretch of road 
was renamed the Highway of Heroes. A very good friend of mine and someone that I work with, a colleague, is a Toronto songwriter, Bob Reed. He penned a tribute to the Highway of Heroes. Anytime another falls, we will gather here In any kind of weather, any time of year Watching for the headlights down the 401 Respect and dedication for our bravest ones Hearts filled with sorrow and with pride As the fallen pass below On the final ride Along the highway of heroes we stand In a show of gratitude from right across the land Standing on the bridges faithfully Because you keep our Trinode strong and free Soccer moms, firefighters Legion members too School kids and teachers Folks like me and you Standing at attention With the maple leaf held high A grassroots benediction For the ones who die You're all our daughters, all our sons And you make us proud Canadians Along the highway of heroes we stand In a show of gratitude from right across the land Standing on the bridges faithfully Because you keep our Trinod strong and free There are two songs that Bob Reed wrote. That was one of them, and we'll play the other one as we end the show today. But check out the website, soldiersongs.ca. Soldiersongs.ca. You'll be able to, to uh, get your copy, purchase a copy of those two songs. And the share of the sale of proceeds from both songs will go to support the Wounded Warriors Organization 
which is a mm. registered charity that provides critically important help for injured veterans. You can go to woundedwarriors.ca or against soldiersongs.ca. They do a lot of great work. Yeah, it's amazing. That's a beautiful song, too. And it's amazing how something so it, it happened so organically that people came out. And, and again, you see something like that. It's so inspiring that you write a beautiful song about it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Armed Forces Day. The Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, and Coast Guard all had separate Armed Forces Days for their branch of the military. May 20th, 1950 became Armed Forces Day, and it replaced all the separated ones and became the one day. So the Armed Forces Day was created on August of 1949 and then first observed May 20th of 1950, except for one problem. The National Guard and Reserve Units have unique training schedules. They're not always together. They may be together the third week of a month or the second week or so on. So they are the only branch of the armed forces that is allowed to celebrate Armed Forces Day at their own convenience any time during the month of May. <laughs> I thought that was cool. That was pretty cool. So do you remember in high school we sang in the, in the senior chorus, uh, you and I, Roy, we sang the Battle Hymn of the Republic? Mm-hmm. That was a great, yeah. inspiring song. And, of course, music is a big part of November 11 tributes and, and celebrations. While the tune existed as a simple hymn in the early 1800s, it came together during the Civil War as a song called John Brown's Body. Now, it wasn't a political statement, but more of an inside joke. Soldiers of the 2nd Infantry Battalion of the Massachusetts Militia put words to the popular tune about their buddy, Sergeant John Brown, who bore the same name as the infamous abolitionist. John Brown of Massachusetts couldn't catch a break. His friends sang it as they marched to battle for the Union. John Brown's body lies a-moldering in the grave. His soul is marching on. So it is no surprise, then, that the song became the unofficial anthem of the Civil War. There's a poet. Here's another poet. A lot of poetry is really important in, in celebrations of November 11th and both of our country's history. But poet Julia Ward Howe, after hearing soldiers along the East Coast sing John Brown's body, put pen to paper and dashing down new lines, new lyrics. The result? What we know today, the battle hymn of the Republic.
Was I right? I mean, isn't that an amazing song? It is. I couldn't help it. I, I actually stood up when I when I uh, heard the song, and I started to sing, too. The same song that we sang, like I said, in high school. I still remember how we sang the parts. It's amazing. Inspiring truth song. Truth is marching. Truth is marching. <laughs> it's such a great song, though. It really is. It's a great song. So as of 2017, there are 1.4 million personnel on active duty for the U.S. Armed Forces. 1.4 million. That also goes along with another 800,000 on reserve for a grand total of 2.2 million soldiers in the United States Army. You talk about an army, that's an army. That is larger than the population of most small countries. So when you hear about the absolute crazy costs of clothing and feeding and housing of troops... I think you begin to understand 2.2 million soldiers, but you don't mess with that. Every November 11th, wreaths are placed on cenotaphs across the country. It is a monument erected to honor the dead whose bodies lie elsewhere, especially members of the armed forces who died in battle, like a sailor who went down with his or her ship. A monument is a structure built for commemorative or symbolic reasons or as a memorial a commemoration. Modern times, they have become one and the same thing. A cenotaph is a type of war memorial, but they're still slightly different. The word cenotaph derives from the Greek kenos, meaning empty, and taphos, meaning tomb. You're listening to the November 11 special podcast with Nick and Roy. Everyone knows that the largest retailer in the world is Walmart. They are also the largest employer in the world do you know who the second largest employer is no 2.2 million soldiers <laughs> yes the united states army is the second largest employer in the world in closing for our tribute to the veterans nick and i would like to show our true gratitude to all of our armed forces and everyone that serves and contributes to the well-being of our troops. America and Canada both share a very special bond. We are one continent, a land separated only by a border. And though we do have country lines, when one of us is attacked or threatened, we act together. We are truly brothers and sisters. We are one amazing force of freedom to the world. We have fought next to each other, shoulder to shoulder, in most of the great conflicts. Our country's bravest have shed their blood on foreign shores for a common cause, freedom, not just as a footnote or a word, but as a working dream. The freedom that we share, the freedom that make our two countries shining beacons of success and compassion, we owe much to our brave armed forces and must never forget their sacrifice or the bond that unites our two great countries towards a noble common cause. God bless the men and women of our armed forces. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And thanks for listening to the November 11th special podcast. We'll be back next week with our usual podcast of totally useless information as we sign off 
today. Let's always remember the sacrifices that the men and women of the United States and Canada made to ensure our freedom. We leave you with another song written by Bob Reed. It is a celebratory welcome home to the brave men and women who served in Afghanistan and other wars. Dedicated to the military personnel from all nations, here is Soldier Welcome Home. It's a special kind of man and woman who understands Freedom is a gift, but it's not free They're the ones who sacrifice Do the duty, pay the price Of a safer world and peace for you and me Now there's such a welcome sight for us to see Welcome home Welcome home The battle's all behind you Welcome home Though a half a world away We were behind you every day And with grateful hearts We're so glad to say Soldier, welcome home Elected leaders rule Keep the children safe at school Things we take for granted every day But that's the mission, that's the call And you answered standing tall In a distant land You forged a better way Now it feels so good To finally get to say Welcome home, welcome home The battle's all behind you, welcome home Though a half a world away We've been behind you every day And with grateful hearts we're so glad to say Soldier, welcome home Together we remember every fallen one the heroes we think of every day They laid down their lives beneath the blazing sun And now among the stars they help to guide the way It's a special kind of man And woman who understands Freedom is a gift, but it ain't free they're the ones who sacrificed Did the duty, paid the price Of a safer world and peace for you and me Heroes in our hearts you'll always be Welcome home Welcome home The battle's all behind you Welcome home Dismissed, rest easy now, soldier. Well